This is Talking Small Business with Kat Schmoyer and Megan Martin, a podcast for creatives who like to keep it real about what it actually takes to grow an online business. We're competitors turned biz besties who chat daily, and now we're bringing you into the conversation. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Talking Small Business. Today we're talking about a topic that I don't know. I think Kat, you and I are going to have some different opinions on this, but we're talking about niching. And I guess to start, what is the correct opinion? Is it niche or is it niche? It's definitely niche. It's definitely team niche. (laughs) I know it's niche, right? And well, we know that we want to make money in business. And so the riches are in the niches. There we go. There. I also feel like when people change it to niche, they try, they're trying to make it sound like way too proper. <laughs> like when you say like, I'm going to Target and like, girl, it's Target. Like yes. you're going to Target. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I love all my fine art friends, but I feel like they're trying to make it like very français. <laughs> yeah. No, we're just, That's so no, <laughs> it is niche. It's niche. Rich. There we go. <laughs> Okay, we're going to say niche in this episode if it absolutely drives you wild. So sorry, but we still think this conversation is important. Um, This is a conversation that, again, I love that we're talking about things that we see happening in the education space within our creative bubble. Um, We've talked about should you only sell one thing on this podcast, and now we want to have this conversation that really there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence, people who say, absolutely, you need to hone down your niche, like three to four levels, that kind of talk. And then there's other people that say, absolutely not. You cannot tell me what to do. I'm going to let my creative wings fly and I want to do whatever I want to do. So we just want to have this conversation of what do we think? What have we seen? Kat, how many years have you been in business? Almost eight. Almost eight years. I've been in business 10 years this month, which is super exciting. And so I think we both have different storylines in and around niching that we can share. So Kat, I would love to hear where in your business currently, do you feel like you have a niche? Yes or no? I do think that I have a niche, but I don't think it's necessarily the traditional zeroing in so intensely on like one specific person. I feel like the niche that I've tried to create with both the Catchmoyer brand and with the creative at heart is more about the niche of the brand itself, like the UVP of the brand and like the brand messaging and the things that we're talking about and the people that we are resonating with, you know, the audience that it's resonating with. Um, it's niching has always been really hard for me. I mean, my business is creative at heart, like for all creative. So then to be like, niche down, pick one. I'm like, um, I mean, no, like any and all creatives, like you're welcome here. And that's not just like a cutesy little tagline. Like it's genuinely like our heart and our mission is here's Mm -hmm. to the creatives. And so niching has always made me feel a little bit strange. And I'm, I'm sure some of you guys listening and feel that way too. It either it makes you feel weird to feel like you're alienating some people, or it makes you feel fearful that, well, gosh, I don't want to tell anyone no. Like I just, I want to be open to working with like a variety of people. 
However, if I really take a good hard look at the messaging and, and who I serve and the clients that are coming back and coming back and coming back, there is a niche to be found there. Um, and that's what's been really fascinating to start to see over the years. Yeah, I love that you talked about your UVP. In case you don't know what that is, we mean unique value proposition. And you're speaking as about unique value proposition as, from your brand as a whole. And I think you're right. I think for you, your niche is not necessarily do that I do one specific thing or I serve one specific person. It's this is the um, like the foundation, the core values of your brand attract a specific person. So, for example, I would say if I were looking from the outside in at Creative at Heart, I would say that you first and foremost are a very heart centered business education hub. So you're always going to share the tactical and practical business advice, but you also cater towards people who really care about building something like a legacy, building something that they're passionate about, serving other people really well. And that messaging is different, say, from a conference perspective, from a conference who is going to talk about just social media marketing or a conference that is going to talk about how do you hit a million dollars with a sales funnel? Like those are very specific, different types of messaging within the conference world. And so I think that's a really important, even introduction into niching is that the traditional niche says it's either one person or one thing or a combination of those two, but niching can be a little bit more in the gray area like cat where it is a, a brand messaging perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for those of us that consider ourselves to be multi-passionate, which I, I mean, we're both very multi-passionate and I feel like a lot of you all listening likely fall in that boat too. I think it's a great permission slip to be like, yes, okay, I don't have to just say I only serve one person or I only do this one thing. You can do a variety of things. However, finding your niche allows you to make sure that there is connection. Just like when we talked last week on should you only sell one thing, you know, and having some of those connection points within the products or the services that you sell. Yeah, I think an, a tangible way to understand how you can do this, if you like cat style, where it's like, I want to serve a variety of different customers and I want to offer a variety of different things. One thing that you can do is tie it all into one storyline. So an mm -hmm. entrepreneur I'm thinking of right now that does this really well is Laura Foote. She's a photographer and she has always been for years pretty adamant that she is never going to just offer one type of photography. She offers wedding photography, family portraits, newborn portraits, maternity. She offers brand photography. She shot for people like Emily Lay. I mean, she has really done it all. And instead of saying, hey, I'm only going to focus on wedding photography, she has kind of woven a storyline through all of these types of photography in the tagline of stories love rights. And so when you see her showing up on Instagram or in a blog post or in an email or, you know, anywhere that she shows up, she tells the story of whoever is in the image. And she tells about how that um, she tells those clients love stories. And that's how she has connected all of the dots between these different facets of what she offers. And so absolutely, she has like almost zero niche, right? Like she does all of the things, but it works for her because she's created a storyline. Another person that does as well is Lauren Carnes with her like gather at the table concept. So she has, she loves cooking 
And so, and she loves hosting people for dinners. And so she's literally like through all of the different facets, she's a photographer, she's a communications coach. She does a wild array of things, but they all kind of work together in this storyline. If you were to read every single page of her website, it all comes back to this gather at the table storyline. So that's like one thing, one tangible way that you can work different offerings together if you're not ready to like hardcore niche. Yeah, I love that. I And two thoughts on that. Number one, I think that storyline can be revealed to you by doing the work that you're doing. I am someone, and Megan knows this, y'all. We have had so many Vox conversations where I've been like, what am I doing? Like, what is my niche? Like, how does this connect to this, connect to this? Like, people probably think I'm crazy because I'm doing all of these different things. You know, literally, that has been like fears and insecurities that I've personally had around the various brands that I run. Um, so for for me, I didn't know the storyline right off the bat. You know, it has taken almost eight years, truly. It has taken a long time of me doing the work and seeing how my strengths, how my unique value proposition, how the brand messaging, how the clients I'm working with, all of those pieces of the pot have been working together. And now, honestly, within the last year, feeling a lot more like relief and clarity over some of those storylines. And so I want to give you all a permission slip if you're listening to this and wondering like, well, how do those things connect? Give yourself like some brain space to think about how they connect. Like take a step back, look at what you're doing and talk to a good friend even to verbally process some of those things that you are doing. And I'm willing to bet some of those storylines or one, you know, more apparent storyline will start to reveal itself to you. Um, that's truthfully exactly how it happened for me. So I want to give that permission slip. I also want to say, and I, I still want to talk about you, Megan, with like finding your niche, but yeah. I want to ask your opinion, Megan, when you brought that up. So when I think about Laura Foote and when I think about Lauren Carnes, and we know them personally, so yeah. they're exceptional women, love not only following them online, but love like our heartfelt conversations and the business strategy talks that we have. When I look at both of them, I don't look at their businesses and think that they're not enough in any facet that they do. Um, I feel like they do really, really well in all of the varying areas that their brands represent. However, something that I feel like the finding your niche crowd shouts is find your niche to be the expert. You know, if you need the eye, if, if your eye's hurting, you're going to go to the eye doctor. You're not going to go to the general practitioner. If you need mm -hmm. newborn photos, you're going to go to the newborn person, not the girl that does a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. But when I think of Laura Foote and Lauren Carnes, I don't see them lacking in any of the things that they offer. So how do we figure out like, well, am I just not being enough of an expert in one thing? How do I combine multiple? Like, what's your thought on that mindset? Yeah, I think this is a twofold answer, in my opinion. The first nods towards what you just talked about. The fact that it sometimes it takes time to find your storyline, but it also sometimes takes time to find where your sweet spot really is. So it's like both of those things can happen in tandem. For example, when I first started in business, I'm not doing anything similar to what I first started in business because it took me a long time to find out what I was really passionate about. And then I was able to add the storyline after that. So I think first of all, you know, I, I can't speak to Laura and Lauren's businesses 10 years ago, you know, and were they great at all of these different offerings that they are now, you know? Um, but I think, first of all, you're right. You should give yourself time to explore. And that's where like the finding your niche, we need a little disclaimer that, you know, if you are new in business here, 
um, and I'm thinking like one to three years in business, you should give yourself a free pass to explore what, what creative passions come up. Um, that way you do give yourself the opportunity to find out what you really love and what you really do well for serving other people. Um, but I will say on the flip side, my opinion on this answer is I do think that if you specialize and you niche down, the answer is yes, you will be seen as an expert in that area. I think that's why the finding your niche conversation is what it is. Because just like you said, if you have an eye problem, you don't go to your general practitioner, you go to an eye doctor. And it's the same concept here in the creative bubble. And I will say that I follow a lot of entrepreneurs. I follow a lot of people who are established and I follow a lot of people who are new people. I love like one of my favorite little things to do is to try to spot talent when it's coming. And so if I see somebody that looks like they're talented, I'll follow them and I start watching their journey. And I will say, I can see a difference in the people from, you know, even near the beginning of their business who do choose to just go ahead and niche down as opposed to explore all the things. I can see a difference in this, in the timeline of success, right? It's just the truth. Like, I'm not going to call them an overnight success because I don't think that's true, but you can see somebody who started and saying, I'm doing this one thing for this one person a year later, they're going to have a lot more traction than somebody who says, I'm going to do 10 things, figure it all out. I still don't have a brand. I still don't have a storyline a year later. They're still probably trying to find their thing, which is fine. And no, none of those business stories, like either, or is not wrong. Right. It took me nine years to find my thing, like in nine years to actually have a business where I feel confident that my business is not going to fall apart. Like I feel confident in the income that I'm making. That was nine years in business. <laughs> it took a really long time, but I wasn't ready to commit to something in year one. And I, yeah. So I just think that we have to have this conversation of like, yes, I do think finding your niche is going to help you be more successful quicker, but it doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Right. And I love what you, you touched on here of just because you could do it quicker or faster or more efficiently, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the happiest doing that. Right. And that's, that's no, that's not business strategy. Right. But we want businesses that we love and that we're passionate about. And if that means that in those first few years, you're trying out a lot of things, just like Megan and I did, you know, you're trying out a lot of different things to figure out like what you like, what you don't like. Oh, this sounds fun. Oh, this doesn't and whatever, do it. Like, let that be part of your storyline. And if you're like me, and then even we're going to get to Megan's story with niching in just a minute. But if you're like mine, for me, the storyline has been revealed to me over the last eight years because of trying out a variety of things and trying to figure out what I like and what I don't like. And now clearly seeing a niche within that, which has been exciting. And I wouldn't trick it. Like I, I genuinely wouldn't trade that storyline for more money, more clients in year one. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to share a little bit about my story because mine's completely opposite cat than yours. So yours is really a niche that's built in to a storyline or really like core values of your brand and the core values of your ideal customer. My niche is more on the traditional niche side. Um, it didn't start that way. 
So in past episodes, I've shared my story where I started as a wedding planner, then I pivoted into branded website design, then I pivoted into digital product selling PDFs, then I pivoted into digital product selling website templates, like all the pivots, right? You can go listen to the pivot episode. I don't remember what number it is, but um, so I, finding my sweet spot for me, I literally just had to try all the things. I'm a seven, I'm an explorer at heart. And I'm the kind of person, if I need to get something done in my business, I'm going to learn how to get something done. Like I'm not the outsourcer, <laughs> which is probably to my detriment, but whatever. I have fun learning new things. And so all of my pivots have happened as a result of learning something new in a need for my business. And so in, what was it? Um, 2018, I started getting this hunch that I wanted to share about digital products because that's what was going on in my business. My business was really starting to grow after launching digital products. And, um, I put out this random guide in 2018 only for a month and we tested ads to it and we got, um, it was in November, which is important because this is black Friday month. And anybody who tells you in the advertising space, like November is the most expensive time to advertise because the competition is fierce in November. We got over like 3,500 leads in the door for this opt-in at 11 cents per lead. Insane. Insane. Literally insane. Insane. So it really cued me in that people want help creating digital products. And I didn't have any offer in my whole business repertoire at that time that had to do with that. It was just this guide. And so, um, that's really what started my pivot into now teaching and sharing and helping other people create and sell digital products. And now that I'm in this spot and I've started educating on it, I've started speaking on it. I've started creating content on it. I've realized that I am finally absolutely in my sweet spot. Like I was good at things before, but I am great at this. And so now that I've like unlocked that part of me that I didn't even know was there, now I felt like it was time for me to finally go hard, like full out into my niche. And that meant letting go. It was scary because I had products that weren't, they were selling, right? Like they were not just sitting there, not making any money. I had products that were selling, but they weren't necessarily focused on somebody who is trying to create and sell digital products. So I made the decision to really strip away anything in my business that wasn't focused on that person. So that way I could remove any distraction, not only from their personal customer journey, but also for me, it was really, really difficult to market my business when I had all of these different offerings for all of these different people going on. And I didn't have a strong storyline like you, Kat, or like Laura or Lauren. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to link these elements together. So I chose finding your niche, like the, the traditional niche style to help like remove friction from my brand, my messaging, and to also give my customer that experience of, oh, do you need help creating digital products? Megan is the person to create digital products. So that's like my story of niching, which is so opposite from yours. And it's still so helpful to hear. I mean, we're opposites in everything. Let's yes, be real. So why would we not be opposites in this? But I also, I think that it's really hopefully empowering and like another permission slip for those of you guys listening and like hearing Megan's story. Cause Megan, I feel like you've done, I mean, you've done an amazing job at 
proclaiming that this is your niche and like being super bold on your website, on your social platforms, like in all of your brand messaging, like this is who Megan is and this is what Megan will do. Um, but I, what I love though, is that within that niche, you still have multiple products in ways yeah. that customers can work with you. And yeah. that's where I think, and I know we talked about this last week, so this is not to heart back on the, like, should you only sell one thing, you know, conversation. I just think that it is interesting in light of the conversation of finding your niche, you know, cause sometimes we think, well, if the niche is one person, one product, that's not necessarily true. You are, I feel like your niche, even though it's select products, it's still a part of the overall brand messaging of what you help that customer do. And they might yeah. need several different types of products from you to get the end result, but right. it is still somewhat of a storyline in there. Yeah. I think I liken it back to the example of a wedding photographer. So oh, you can claim your niche as the wedding photographer and that's one service, right? But there's still multiple offers in there that you can serve your one client who is a wedding client, right? So you could offer engagement session, for that client. You can offer a bridal session for that client. You can offer obviously day of wedding and in day of wedding, you can offer multiple types of packages for that couple to choose what works best for them. And then after the fact, you can continue to sell to that person with something like an album or prints, um, whatever the case may be. I'm not a photographer, but this is like the most general concept, right? So that's that's mm -hmm. essentially the service provider's version of a value ladder, which is saying you start with a, you know, think through price points, right? So the lowest price point offer you have is at the bottom. And then you start moving somebody up the ladder to the highest price point offerings that you have. That's like the service provider's version of that. You have one niche, you serve one person, but you, we know it's more expensive to get new people in the door than it is to sell to existing customers. So it's smart just like we talked about in selling one thing, it's smart to offer multiple offers to one person, which is what I do in my business as well. Mine is 100% digital products. But if you look at my array of products, they're all serving one specific person, somebody who is trying to create and sell a digital product. They've, I've got a course. I've got digital product templates for Canva. I've got show website templates to sell your digital product on a sales page. I've got a membership. So you can, we can do this for the long haul together. It's lots of different offerings, but it all serves one person. And I think it just goes to show, like you're saying, you can be on your side of the fence, Kat. You can be on your side and have a storyline and then offers that aren't necessarily perfect in terms of like walking up the ladder, you know, like your person gets to choose what they want to get when they want to get it. My person because I've niched the way and the way that I have, it just makes a lot more sense to chronologically present things to them. Absolutely. And that this has been my personal struggle for years, y'all like kid you not for years of, I have wanted a chronological journey. I'm a planner. I'm type A. I need the list and help me get the person from A to Z. Like I can, I can do that. I know how to be task oriented and it has been really, really hard for me, but also really encouraging for me to finally be at a place where I'm like, you know what? I don't have an A to Z. Like that's not the way that my niche has been presenting itself over and over again. Mine's a little bit more like a buffet. And when somebody comes up, they can kind of pick and choose what it is they need in that moment, whether that's with Within the Catch Moyer brand, whether that's within Creative at Heart. And I now say that it's 
all the same brand, but one is my right arm and one is my left arm. It's kind of how I have been able mm-hmm. to like figure it out in my own brain of wanting to organize the various offers and the various ways that I serve people. And then you have um, really great businesses like Megan's and some of y'all you're listening, I'm sure you have a very similar traditional value ladder format, traditional niche, and that's wonderful too. So it just depends on when you take a step back, when you look at your business, who is it that you're serving? What is it that you're offering? And then how does your storyline, if there is a storyline, fit into it? Which there should be a storyline anyway. But yeah. how apparent is that storyline within the niche that you're offering? Yeah. I think the other thing to think about too is that I think there's room for both of us, even if we're competitors. I think there's room for someone to be um, just laser focused on one specific thing, one specific person. And there's room in the market for somebody who is more multi-passionate in their offers. Again, like coming back to this example of the wedding photographer versus the photographer who serves all different types of customers. Um, I think you're going to repel and attract on both sides, Mm -hmm. right? So you, if, if you are wedding photographer, who's laser focused, that's all you do. You're going to attract people who want the best person at that job right? It's like the Mm -hmm. eye doctor, the concept. So people who are like, I want the best wedding photographer, you're going to attract them. But then on the other side of the coin, like if you're like Laura, you're a photographer and you'll shoot somebody from zero to a hundred, no matter what life milestone they're in. Right. Right. You're going to attract a different person. You're like, I'm thinking back to my wedding And if I were hiring a photographer for my wedding, I would absolutely want that photographer to be available to shoot when I have a newborn and to shoot when I have another milestone in my life. Like I'm that kind of person who would want the same photographer for everything. And so there's repelling and attracting on both attracting on both sides of the coin. And that's a good thing. But no matter which side of the coin you choose, you should own it and make it a part of your niche. If you're multi-passionate and you're going to let those wings fly, make it a part of your storyline. Say that, right? If you're going to laser focus, make that your storyline. I only do this. Um, And I think that's going to help, even if you can't find like a beautifully written storyline, like gather at the table, like Lauren Carnes, you can truly own the fact that you offer multiple things versus one thing. Absolutely. No, I think that's such good advice for even for both of us to like remember like just continuing to own like the path that we're on the clients that we're serving the offerings that we have um and knowing that I mean who knows the pivots that are going to come out in the future but for right now like this is the storyline this is the niche and at the end of the day both Megan and I do believe in niching. We do believe the riches are in the niches. (laughs) That is what it is. And again, whether that's more concrete or more of a storyline mindset, it doesn't matter. But knowing who you serve and what you do when serving that person is going to make everything in your business more strategic and more powerful. Absolutely. I love it. So I don't know about you, but I agree. We believe in niching. You got to find what works for you, but I hope this was encouraging to listen to our stories and how we've niched our businesses in totally different ways. And now it's your turn to go out and find your own niche and get rich. And we'll catch you in the next conversation. <laughs>